0: Fusion Patrol is a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can help support us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. This is the Fusion Patrol podcast. Each week we look at a different science fiction TV episode or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at episode two of the ATV series Beasts by Nigel Neal. This episode is entitled During Barty's Party. We open on a romantic scene, an open top two-seat sports car parked on a country road, music playing on the radio, and the screams of the amorous couple nearby. Angie, who lives down the road, is asleep, but their screams invade her dreams and deeply upset her. When her husband Roger comes home from the city, he finds her at home, blasting rock and roll music and apparently drinking a bit heavily. She's nervous and feeling alone. She tried calling him, but he'd already left the office. She tried to visit their neighbors, the Gibsons, but they're not home today. There's a rat under the floorboards, making noises, and it's really bothering her. She set the dog buster on him earlier, but he ran off out the door and hasn't come back. Roger brings a typically manly perspective to the situation, basically, Buck up, woman! You're getting hysterical over nothing. It's just a rat. He stomps on the floor, and the rat is gone. And she points out the sports car down the road to Roger. It's been there since I woke up from my nightmare sleep, door wide open. Don't you think that's odd? Not really, no. While Roger attends to some unfinished business on the phone, Angie turns on the radio, listening to the program Barty's Party, a light mixture of inane banter and popular music. On it, Barty notes a few people have been calling in from the country with reports of flocks of rats swarming. Isn't that funny? And then the rat is back. Or perhaps I should say rats, for there are now more than one. Roger refuses to leave and go out for dinner, as Angie asks, because he will not be ratted out of his home. He calls the police to see if there's anything to the whole rat story on the radio. But they've heard nothing and suggest ringing the local council in the morning. There are more rats, and they are following them through the house underneath the floor. Roger decides to whip up some chlorine gas to kill the rats. But when he tries to get water, the line is clogged. It was the rats, posits Angie. Nonsense, counters Roger. Angie calls Barty's party and tells him what's going on. And it actually concerns Barty enough to try to send help. But before Angie can give their address, the phone line goes dead. Then the electricity. Roger loses it. First trying to rip up the floorboards to pour his chlorine mixture in. And then finally succumbing to hysterical panic. Angie formulates an escape plan using their fencing gear to help them get to the car. Just when they're about to start, the Gibsons return, and they are overjoyed, shouting from the window across the way, we're coming over, okay? And then the rats are gone. But soon they know why, as the Gibsons are ripped to shreds by the rats in front of Roger and Angie's eyes. And the rats are back, and the doors are giving way to their relentless chewing. As Angie helps the panic-paralyzed Roger upstairs, on the radio, Barty is trying to reach Angie, thinking it might be a hoax, but he certainly hopes she really is a real person. We fade to black. The end. Okay, well, what did you think of during Barty's party? It's an interesting thing to watch for
1: a number of reasons, but it does feel a bit a bit like... um. It's quite a theatrical piece, yeah, and solid you know it felt like a a very able playwright turning in a well crafted piece of entertainment that you know gets you through the fifty minutes and the interesting stuff for me, a bit like really the last episode of Beasts, was a lot to do with the um the kind of uh, environment and the and the period stuff that they well it wasn't, you know the contemporary stuff that they that they had created, but I, I kind of felt there were there were certain problems with it, um, that made it somehow unsatisfying as a as a sort of to to, to sort of tr- transcend the 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 kind of disposable viewing. I suppose it 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 doesn't feel like. The kind of episode that made me sit up and go, "Wow, I'm 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 going to look forward to rewatching this again and again."
0: Well, okay, so a couple things that that come to my mind with it. One, it did still feel a little drawn out. However, definitely, I watched the whole darn thing in rapt attention. After after probably the first time the rat was chewing on the board, it was a little dry there at the beginning with the whole. You yeah, Roger comes home and I'll catch you up drinks and the, you know, uh, but, but after that point, uh, it, it began and my wife who was off playing animal crossing on the switch, um, basically got drawn into it and she was, she was watching the whole thing. But so she came in, uh, you know, maybe 15 minutes into it, maybe, uh and, and then and kinda of got swept into it. But when she finished, she goes, What the hell did we just watch? Like and then I had to explain it. I explain it to her. And I said, Yeah, but it it kept you riveted, didn't it? She said, Yeah, but I <laughs> mean
1: But that but that's um, that's that's that is I mean I don't I don't want to suggest that at any point my attention wandered. It didn't. I mean I I thought it was it was engrossing theatre. Here's a, here's a playwright who knows his craft. Earning his crust, keeping you engaged and keeping you wondering what is going, you know, wondering how, wondering where he's going to go next, wondering how things are going to transpire, and the performance is very, very good as well. Um, tempted to to kind of call it a two-hander, but of course it's not because there's there's so much going on with the the audio performances in this mm-hmm. that that would be to kind of disregard the the. The larger part of the cast who are doing all that work on on that kind of stuff, so I think it's i think it's it's beautifully done it's It's very well crafted, but once again, it feels like to me a kind of short story idea that has been stretched out to fifty minutes and it's fascinating I don't think you get that kind of television anymore nothing that is that theatrical, nothing that is that uses uses that craft to keep you engaged with something but does it on a very uh you know a very low low budget single set uh small cast and all the rest of it so from that point of view i i i found it both engaging and um you know and an interesting curiosity but at the same time as a as a, as a realization of the as as a realization of the concept, it just wasn't satisfying enough to make me feel wow. If that makes sense,
0: I guess I guess I mean I, I don't know that I would go with wow uh, as my uh, view. I, I appreciated it. I, I I liked watching it. I I really enjoyed comparing it to the excesses of what that type of story and that type of story has been told many times Mm -hmm. before um and and i don't think we can put nigel neal down as the uh holotype on this one this story because i know of 50s movies that follow basically the same formula the the killer shrews comes to mind i that's a film that particularly uh indelibly stuck itself in my brain it's a terrible film but i know it's a 50s or at the most early 60s film about you know being stranded in a building surrounded by a pack of animals that are chewing their way in and you have no way out and so you know it's not innovative in that way but what's really interesting to me is how they get away and they do get away i think without ever showing a rat yeah i'm not, not sure they did i there is one thing that bugged me a little bit and i know what they were trying to in retrospect I know what they were trying to do but while I was watching it I thought they were trying to do something else and that's the constant shots of her feet hmm. I thought for sure a rat was gonna chew a hole through the floorboards and that that's why they were showing her feet like there was going to be something nip at her nip at her heels or at her, or her foot gets stuck in a hole that had been chewed or or something but it was really you know so my well, my thought I've was they were that. foreshadowing yeah I thought they were foreshadowing it that, that that's where it was going. But instead it was just really to try to emphasize that the horror was below them. And I didn't, yes, I knew it was, that. It was, so it was I to didn't... situate
1: the sound because you, you obviously yeah. had, you know, there's a strong element of they're not showing the rats, but right. boy, oh but, boy, are they, pl- are they playing them rather loudly on the, on the sound design?
0: Yeah. So uh, that was, a, a, a felt a little off to me. Um, but you know, again, it, it, in a way, it comes down to the people. I think it's a fascinating tale I, of the fact that we are presented with nervous, uh, typically television weak woman at the beginning of this story and stiff up a lip, manly, get on with it. And by the end of this, it is completely flipped. I mean she's still worried obviously cuz they're going to die. Yeah. But you know but Mr. Right. Mr. Manly man is a is a yeah Mr. Manly man is a is a quivering pile of jelly by the end of this. And and she has at least tried to rise to the occasion through her terror. And I thought that was <clears throat> well done and and uh, an interesting again for its time in particular uh take on that. Uh, I really, I really, did. I mean, I did like the performances, and I thought that
1: the the way in which they established the relationship between the two leads, and then as you say, that that kind of shift that took place throughout the episode was was really well done. So, I, I guess, yeah, it's it's not it's not so much the performances that I have an issue with. Um, everything was obviously sold on their their reactions and that was done well but whether they got away with not showing the rats is still something i'm 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 pondering over and i think it's a problem with the writing because i i mean we've we've often discussed this in shows whose budgets have um failed to meet up to their ambitions where they've shown monsters that they right. can't really quite realize in satisfying terms um Fair enough. You know, talons of Wang Chiang or whatever, um if we're talking rats. But the problem the problem here is partly to do with the way in which the, the escalation takes place because at the beginning we we're essentially dealing with the fear in um I've forgotten her name, Mrs. Trescott's Angie? mind. Angie Trescott's Angie. Mind. Um and 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 we're getting occasional noises. Nothing that most of us, I mean, we all, we all live within whatever it is six meters of the nearest rat, and so it's the kind Speech of thing itself. that all of us would have experienced. And there's nothing particularly alarming about it, other than the fact that she is herself alarmed, and and that's kind of distressing because you. You know, you want to alleviate that and obviously you can't make the rat go away. And I like that. I like that a lot. And clearly what the the story then has to do is escalate that. And it has to somehow escalate it towards, you know, the kind of promise at the beginning of swarms of flesh-eating rats or whatever we're supposed to to fill in with our imagination. The problem is they live in a big old house and rats by and large don't really care whether you've locked the door. They oh it's bolted. Oh she doesn't want us to come in. Rats can get in tiny, mm-hmm. tiny places. And so the idea that this house could somehow be swarming with rats and yet you never actually see, you know, so much as a, a whisker, did seem to me a bit of a a bit of a stretch because the sound was there for there to be hundreds of the things and yet not a single one was visible.
0: Uh, I'm going to have to do for rats are not as big a problem where I live. Not saying we don't have them because that would be a lie, but you know, they, there are areas where they tend to cluster. And so you can kind of identify where you're going to find rats um, at one point we had one in the house and yeah, you hear him a little bit once in a while and the dog freaks out once in a while, uh, until, you know, we, we had that taken care of, but like that's once in my lifetime, I've been in, actually encountered a rat in a place I've resided. Um, but you know, we go to Taiwan, you see rats. So I, I kind of get it. I, I kind of get it that maybe they should be more visible, but it didn't bother me because I just or don't has have to that be much rat around, experience. I guess. Yeah, I well, okay, so you know so to the discussion of whether or not somebody can realize the 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 terror. Um I I'm sure that somewhere along the line in ten years of this podcast the the, the discussion has been had that says there is that that balance between showing too much and not showing enough and that as time has gone along and as special effects have gotten better and better and better and better they show way too much now they they overload it they just go for it and so a, a lot of people myself included kind of look back and say i think it was better when they the terror was largely unseen but you sure. still do need I, to have a payoff. But this one doesn't have that that payoff. But it's the closest I've ever seen to a show that never gives you that payoff and still mostly works. It, it's as good as I've seen with the. We're just not going to show it.
1: I don't. I. I don't actually. I mean, I. I take. I take your point that there has been a. Well, I don't. Yeah, you know, I don't know if it is a historical thing, but certainly we've had the discussion and a lot of times shows show more than they should you know all sorts of reasons it's it's you know not just necessarily the ability to do so it's also you know the costume department has spent a fortune on something or other and even if it's not brilliant you tend to want to get it in shot just all the rest of that well i'm not sure that is the problem here because i don't think i'm saying you need to see the rats i'm saying there's something slightly more difficult to believe about the way this is written, which actually has to do more with whether the Truscott see the rats than whether we do. Because Fair I, enough, I would certainly be quite happy not to see any rats as a viewer. But the fact that they haven't seen anything at all just seems... It seems remarkable. Okay. And of course, their reaction then is, is entirely due to the sounds of these rats. Uh-huh. And somehow that reaction still seems quite disproportionate. It doesn't, it doesn't feel earned because there's nothing actually that terrible until the very final scene. And even, even Barty's reaction seems a bit off the scale. Launching a kind of nationwide manhunt for Angie Prescott, when all he's had is a slightly hysterical anecdote over the telephone.
0: Okay, I, I think I think that's a very fair point. The fact that they don't see the rats until the Gibsons are ripped apart. Presumably, they can see what's happening over there.
1: Yes, um, I'm sure they see them at that point. But until then, it's know, fairly clear. Because I mean, she says it on the phone. She says, "No, we haven't seen them."
0: Yeah. I think one of the, yeah, they they could have they could have done something with that. Um, I thought know, I thought when, the dog
1: I thought the dog was going to turn out to have been devoured by the rats. So do I? I think he has, but well, maybe he has, but we didn't get that in the story, and that that I think yeah. would have earned a different level of reaction, um, you know, in ter- in terms of everyone's response for this, and that w- that would have been. Real solid evidence that if you conveyed that to Barty, I would go, okay, yeah, then, you know, that would be pretty freaky. On the other hand, Fair enough. I can see ATV not being keen on having all the animal rights people uh, camping outside their doorstep the next morning. So C- complaining it probably that, that they. would have gone very well with the great British public.
0: Are you saying that ATV would actually have a dog? Devoured by rats, so that they could use no. I'm saying the very fact of... <laughs> that they
1: they had a story in which uh, they, there would be no problem whatsoever, in which the next door neighbors were devoured by rats, but if a if a dog bought it that way, I think then 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 there'd be letters. That's
0: interesting because I, I mean, I could understand why if you showed on a TV show a person, a human abusing a dog, that animal rights activists would be up in arms, because that might encourage people to to think that was acceptable behavior. But I mean, if a dog is killed in a, let's call it natural way, he's eaten by a bear, he's eaten by rats, he's hit by a car, car might be a little but you know, I, I, why is that anything other than just a bit of storytelling in which an animal got harmed and not, I can see why you would have like a disclaimer that says no animals were harm making this production because some idiot would think they actually had a dog devoured by rats to get the prop of the the gnawed bones, but
1: but again, I, I, I
0: suppose I, I mean this isn't quite your point. But again, when you when you mention
1: having a a, a prop or whatever, I'm not imagining yeah. you would. What I'm imagining is that it would be entirely off screen. But the point would be if the Truscotts had seen it they would then have something some sort even if they hadn't seen the rats they would have had some sort of solid evidence of what the rats had done and uh, it would, even a it chewed could.
0: up dog collar <laughs> well maybe you know i mean roger when he looked for that. the dog he sees a dog collar lying there with it all chewed but, up by rats or I, something and
1: that. i don't think i don't think you need that i do think it is all about what they have seen because the dog itself never appears on screen in the episode the right only way in which we the viewers understand about the dog is through their descriptions of the dog so we know about angie talking about the the you know the dog running out earlier on we also have the 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 diatribe from now i've forgotten his name but mr dr scott roger thank you so um Saying how useless the dog is, and how you know they shouldn't have got that one in the list. so we it feels like we know quite a lot about the dog. We've never seen the dog, yeah, and I think i th- you know i th- I think that can be very effective, so I'm really, really not arguing in favor of seeing any of these things i'm just I'm just questioning, I think, the level on which everyone involved in this story escalates on the basis of relatively little actual evidence that they themselves have witnessed
0: Uh, all right i'll 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 take that i was i was thinking as we were in a very early part of this discussion my thought was asking you what what if they had found part of buster and again doesn't matter whether they see it or not so i mean i i can see how that would have earned some or if roger had had enough curiosity to go down and look at that car yeah or uh you know something that would have put the wind up and said "Nah, something's something's definitely wrong here um, Well, if they had I tried leaving i don't disagree see, i mean again again it's
1: the fact that there are that there's obviously there's the incident with the car um there's then the suggestion of going to a restaurant. There's always a contrived reason why they don't try leaving the house and therefore they don't get to see the rats and therefore we don't get to see the reaction to whatever actually would stop them from leaving if they tried. And because you get these these contrived reasons, again, it doesn't feel like that sense of being trapped
0: is properly earned. Do you... I mean, I I get that the word beasts in its strict definition means animals, mm-hmm. but I will say that there is something going into this series, whether it's because of last week's brightways Billy, um, or that that these beasts are more than just animals. That beasts could refer to something more monstrous, Beastie. and. I beasty <laughs> I kind of wondered if we weren't getting an opportunity to see anything about the rats because we were supposed to think they were more than rats, like super rats or hellhound rats or <clears throat> and that they were underplaying it thinking that they were regular rats, and when in fact that is not what they were being besieged by and
1: yet the the dialogue was giving us a very clear steer towards the fact that they were not in any way different from ordinary rats other than their immunity to warfarin.
0: Yeah, there was that bit when they came on, when the expert was on the radio program and said, you know, nah, they're not super rats. They're not, they're not, I mean, you could call them super rats, but I mean, they're they're not bigger. They're not different. They're just immune to to poison. And so we did halfway through this show, get somebody tell us explicitly, they're rats. This is not going to be, Something that's come in from space, space or rats, space rats, or something. It's just it is just rats, but yeah I, I i think I think you're right. If maybe you know Roger had opened the door and to, to where the car was and slammed the door suddenly, and it's like oh my god, there's rats have they're all over the car and they've chewed through the tires and and <clears throat> or something. Um, I don't know it, it you're right we, we didn't need to see it, but and then maybe in the end, I was a little disappointed that we didn't we didn't get that, but uh like still I, I I thought it did a damn good job considering that it wasn't gonna show a rat, you know, in the end, they weren't gonna show a rat I thought they did okay I thought they did okay um let's let's talk about. Barty's Party, the radio show. Uh, This is another one that I thought was actually... It's weird that that's what the the, the episode is titled. I guess it's an event that happened during listening to Barty's Party. But what I thought was interesting, and, and you alluded to it, that maybe it was an overreaction. It seemed like a pretty darn good representation of a facile, insipid, standard radio program, and DJ. But through the course of the episode, we also got to see Barty transformed from guy putting on an act and doing his radio show to actual human character that was trying to help someone by the end of it.
1: Which is a nice idea because it really it really raises the stakes given that here's a, here's a guy, you know, this this seems to be a, well, is it an, is it a national radio station? I guess it is given the direction, the size we, of Britain. We <laughs> um, but yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're talking about uh, prime time audience and he is, he is devoting herself, devoting himself to her problem. Um, and so the fact that he is taking it seriously and switching away from the jolly japes is an effective way to 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 ramp up the jeopardy.
0: But again, I do think it's got to be earned. I, I yeah, you're right. It's it's he does ramp it up a little too much, too fast. Um, I I I kind of wondered as I was listening to it if this is Neil making commentary. I mean, I can easily see how it is dismissive of popular radio um because it is awful <laughs> I mean when you when you turn the thing on and it's awful and you get the you get the line from Rogers like you listen to this and and she's like oh sometimes he's quite funny uh, there is that sort of commentary about populist media uh I, or I, I felt do, that I but but then by the time you get to the end of it, because Barty has become a human being, not a radio program. It's almost like saying, you know, there's good people working in the industry. It's it's what the it's what the punters want that makes it so bad. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I wondered because it was such an odd it's such an odd device to use. I don't think I've ever, ever seen anything that used a radio program and is so, so key to the story that it is the title of the story. Well, you, 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 It must be there for a reason. It
1: uses a radio program and has the not, program's title in
0: no, the no, title? No. Like Frasier? No, but not like this. Fr- as, a,
1: as a dramatic device.
0: No, right? no, I'm not saying I... I, yeah, as a dramatic device, I'm not saying that I've I uh, i can not think of a show with a radio program in it. I'm just saying I can't think of one that has used a radio program for this type of effect as as a key component of it. I suppose there's probably some film where there's a uh, I, I can't think of it, but it, it now vaguely recollects. But there may be some film where the hero is a radio DJ and he's trying his time. Because somebody keeps calling into the show, and he gets drawn. Yeah, well, there is. I'm thinking of something. To, uh, but it's but it's from the other end. It's from the radio end. Yes, yes. Not from the not from the the audience end, and that is. And, such and what's a weird... very
1: interesting about that is that the audience, the audience end, there is no visual element to it. So you can, you're, if you're doing television and you're doing making a radio show well yes it's audio but you've still got the visuals but we're listening to a radio show in this so we don't see any of that
0: and 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 it but the sound design works because when he's sitting there talking on the radio and you can hear him turning to the side and saying Where I go and check the phone you you know he's sitting at that desk talking to his producer off to the side or an assistant or it it works it it really works, and i I commend See, them for for doing it. I'm not. I, I'm not.
1: I'm not quite sure he's. Uh, I'm not quite sure he's setting out. The, again, the th- the thing is, it may be. It may be a kind of love hate thing. He may be. He may be trying to satirize it, but he's certainly very very familiar with it. Because my goodness, and the and you know the production on this. The, not just as a man sharing, wrote the
0: Sex Olympics, uh, but,
1: yeah. but the the adverts as well are yes. just done so cleverly and so believably that and and you know you right at the start in that opening. I mean, you get some of the adverts multiple times, which again feel it, it that adds to me for me that adds to the very similar to you because I don't listen to commercial radio a lot. When I do, I very very quickly notice how much repeating adverts great on 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 my ears um but we get to listen to a couple of those adverts more or less in full during that that opening and they're really they're really like you can you if you played them to me on the radio i
0: i would think they were the real thing yeah yeah and it, it's it's all very well done there is uh, one thing that i think firmly sets this program in the uk in england um, that just couldn't for example just couldn't be done here well it's in hampshire well yeah we have country we have we have people who live out in the country but to my knowledge you, none well, of them I just are refer ever to it they refer to where they are but yes n- none of them in, in this country to my knowledge are ever going to be in a situation where if somebody says to you where do you live? You don't give an answer and say, 124th Route 37 or Pickleswood. You know, you, you, you there is nobody that's going to be going, well, you go out the I-5 and then you get off on country lane by the church and you go down to the end of the road, bearing to the left. When you come to the cul-de-sac, there's the greenhouse, the red house. We're the blue one. Uh, which is, that's you know, when exactly she starts right to explain is. her... I know it is. I've seen your address. <laughs> I've seen your address and it, it just, it blows my mind. So when she starts, when she starts prevaricating, when he says, where do you live? I'm thought, oh, just give him the address, woman, quickly. And instead I realized, no, no, she probably just doesn't have one. Their, their, their house probably has a name, <laughs> the Victor's, <laughs> or something prescotts live at the victors i I don't know I mean it, it just it was very British that that you could be cut off mid address by by rats and uh not, not that you couldn't be before somebody could get around to going I live at 123 Main Street Picklesville Arizona um you know but that was that was uh kind of amused me as being oh yeah that's very British that's very British. Uh, the other thing that amused me is here is another story that couldn't be told this way today because cell phones, <laughs> <laughs> right? I'll just call Barty on the cell phone. I mean, if she even had a landline. Um, but yeah, this is. But yeah, those are a couple of things. I don't know. I I, I appreciate taking a switch of gear here a little bit. That this is a classic horror story this is kind of to a theme uh something i said earlier this is kind of a classic horror tension you know people are gonna die kind of thing and not saying people don't do stupid things mixing up chlorine gas in your home um but <laughs> but nobody did uh, you know, i'm not 100 percent. i'm not gonna say i'm 100 percent on board with this what i'm about to say but by and large nobody did anything particularly stupid in this until they had been pushed beyond the point of sanity if you will this is this is not one of those things like well you know somebody's been missing for hours and we heard them screaming i guess maybe i'll go out by myself with a flashlight into the stormy night and look around there's none of that nobody does anything like that roger does start doing
1: go ahead let's push, push beyond the point of stupidity rather than the point of sanity um it seemed to me because i i felt like there was definitely there was a there was an undertone in this to do with the trescott's mental health yes and
0: at roger's first, breakdown in particular
1: well yes because, because because there was stuff about stuff about angie and you know various things about be, you know being alone in the house, and um, you know Katie having got married and left home, and all this kind of thing. And oh, you can so, remember Katie's name. Roger was obviously not very, not very uh, surprised at the nervousness of Angie when he got home. I mean, he was obviously concerned, but it wasn't entirely unexpected. Yeah. And then there's that there's that line: um, we've got to keep our problems strictly practical. Things we can cope with and then as the episode goes on you obviously discover that roger himself is having difficulty holding it together so you almost get a sense that he is having he is having similar sorts of difficulties as angie you know ongoing mental health issues but that he is not showing them normally on a day-to-day basis because it's not because like you say he's the manly man and all this and somehow it's you know it's acceptable for her to show these things talk about these things or whatever but it would it would be much less so for him but as the episode goes on it becomes harder and harder for him to hide that, that So I, that's it oh, go ahead. i well i just i i i wasn't sure that yeah it was because you mentioned sanity there i just wasn't quite sure You know, there is, I did think there was a theme of mental health that affects both these characters.
0: That's, it's interesting because you you do mention, they do mention, you know, her being alone with Katie being gone and, and there's that bit about, oh, don't let my secretary or whoever it was that she talked to, you know, get any wind that we're maybe, you know, our marriage is on the rocks, which, you know, it was all, that all had to do with, I think, Roger keeping up Appearances, yes. keeping up appearances. I think there's a TV show called that, and um, but I actually didn't get, and I'm not sure that it's there, but but I can absolutely see that if you looked at it from the point of watching a show that was written today, I absolutely guarantee you're a hundred percent correct. But I'm not convinced that that's what Neil was trying to say in this. I think I don't think Roger would have been in a situation where I don't think we were th- supposed to believe that Roger was having some ongoing mental health issues prior to this. Um, I, I, I think in, in modern writing, we're supposed to believe everyone is all people are having mental health issues uh, going into every TV show ever, but I don't think that's what that was. I think this was, this was about, this was about inner strength and which I think is a more contemporary theme there and Neil showing us that Roger didn't have it and Angie did
1: I don't think that's how it would be portrayed now but I also don't I I think I think Neil is perceptive enough to be able to say something about something about Roger's mental health without necessarily talking about it in the terms that we are talking about it now because it would not be alien to him to you know we're essentially we're talking about someone being put under an extreme level of stress and yeah the the way in which they react to it except it's not that extreme and it's not unimaginable that Roger would would have experienced other forms of stress in his life and there are various ways in which those things manifest and you know the fact that he drinks and so on so it's it's not it's not to do with necessarily whether whether he had had episodes of uncontrollable anxiety in the past but whether he had whether whether he has a way whether he has the 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 kind of that almost kind of that that thing I feel very envious of people they have where you know they're just they're calm and contented and and whatever comes along they're 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 absolutely capable of of dealing with it and and I think Roger is naturally quite highly strung and the reactions that we see in this episode are I think I think it feels to me entirely of a piece with a man who says we need to keep our problems strictly practical things we can cope with he does have issues because he has this thing of you know no no um infestation of rats is going to drive me out of my home. He is a yes. bit crazy. He, he's I, he's, I, he's I, reacting I, to something I, there that is that isn't that isn't it's not balanced, it's not a a it's not a proportionate, it's not a I, calm I'm still way seeing of that as the machismo thing. No, 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 no. Well, I mean you you could you could say you could say machismo is in a large part based on that kind of anxiety and i think it often is um but i'm not sure that's exactly what it is and i think in this case it's definitely
0: it is definitely anxiety fueled hmm it's possible um it's possible i you know cannot i cannot look at an artifact from the 70s and how do I, how do I put this? He's not, he's not he's deconstructed not in that way, because it's just not the way stuff was f- for us for on this side of the pond. It's just not the way something like this would be written without giving us a little bit more, a little bit more that says there was something else going on before the show started. No, well, but, yeah, but, I, uh, but it I could don't, be subtly think... the writing that I'm missing, but.
1: I, I don't think I don't think it is that. I think I think I think Neil is writing a character. He's writing a character who is well observed, and he's writing them in a believable way. To do that, I'm sure he's based that character on people he knew um, or people that he observed, acquaintances, friends, and their characteristics and because there is a reality to that character i think you can you can sort of look at it 40 something years later and say okay maybe the way we talk about people now the language we're using to talk about this and the way we talk about mental health issues and all this kind of thing is completely different from the way it would have been talked about 40 something years ago but this is not an episode in which any of that gets discussed correct and the character that he's writing is it it's a character which feels real and would feel real today and therefore i i i don't i don't think it's i don't think i'm reading things in by saying i i think i think you could say this is this is this is true of of this character you know this is this is someone who is quite insecure, who is quite fragile in some ways, because I think I think those are things that Neil would have recognised. He wouldn't necessarily have talked about stress and anxiety and other mental health issues in the way that we do now. But nevertheless, stress and anxiety were around in 1976, and he was writing about people who would have felt stress
0: and anxiety. Uh, uh, hi. I, I again I, I'm not it is it is very 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 real possibility that Neil as a keen observer of human beings and I think we can say he was um or he had a very good ability to write characters that feel like real human beings that that that, that react and, and respond and, and are kind of realistic in that way that notwithstanding the fact that that you yourself have said that these characters didn't actually react appropriately for the level of infestation that they had that gotten so there's there's that but i i think there's a there's a you could argue that a lot of neil's characters have an air of authenticity what i would say is that if you took that character and you plunked him down in a show written today he would feel like a caricature of the British stiff upper lip man and and his his breakdown through the course of the episode would be intentional and perhaps um to show that the stiff upper lip man is not really the stiff upper lip man at all I just, I wonder if you were watching this in 1976 if he would be as much of a caricature as he feels like to me
1: you, but, but I. are you saying that that wasn't you don't think that was the intention in, in, in I don't the, know because the only
0: television life. that I can see from Britain in 1976 portrays those characters as real people and they're it's it's not you don't meet the stiff upper lip Brit sorry no I mean I hear <laughs> I mean I mean the
1: fact, the fact that he, the fact that he there is this breakdown in the in the the stiff upper lip character. I don't I don't I don't think he is a caricature. No, I, I think I it's don't think I don't think he would come across as a caricature now if it was a show that was being written about nineteen seventy-six. The you know, all the kind of fact that things do end up being heightened in period stuff notwithstanding. But I definitely got the sense that there is a I mean, you mentioned it, there is a stiff upper lip element to him, and Neil is deliberately breaking that down in this episode and that, yeah. that's what it was about in 1976.
0: Yes, yeah, it it definitely is the the question is is what fuels I guess is what fuels the stiff upper lip. And you could look at it as being it's a way to combat deep-seated anxieties to 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 put on the front or it could be in 1976 that that is just literally what's drilled into them. From the day he came up from Eaton, uh, well, I or think wherever. Neil is too good and uh, easy to you know. That. I don't know. I I,
1: I cannot uh, because because that that you know to some degree that that is the caricature. He, I mean, I'm not saying that it's, it's not drilled into, it's not drilled into people the way you know the way you should behave, but I think that he definitely looks deeper at the the person. You know why? Why are they behaving in that way? And because that's still a choice, isn't it? You choose to conform. So why do you mm. choose to conform? What What, it, what is it that um, that you gain from that? What is it that worries you about not doing that? And so on. All of I think all of those questions would be there for him.
0: Well, it's possible. I, I, I once again, we have a show here that is not about. Just as last time, it wasn't about um, Noreen. It was about Colin Grimley. The, you know, the story was about him reacting. And this is a story about these people reacting to something that is... Oh, it, it's clearly what Neil is trying to analyze in these stories is how the people deal with the situations. That, that's clearly what he's going for. So you might even go so far as to say maybe the people are the beasts i don't know instead of instead of the 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 supernatural elements i think it's too early to say but i think with two episodes that's the sense that i'm getting here is that this is about this is about the ugly in the humans not the 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 ugly in the animal kingdom or maybe it's both
1: i don't know i didn't i'm not sure i saw an ugliness in this I also didn't think it was about the supernatural. I thought this one was sci-fi.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's uh fair. That's a fair assessment. I I, I... on another day we'll go we can go into a discussion about Nigel Neal's opinions on sci-fi. Um but uh yeah, it 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 uh uh I don't know. I, I I think it's you know it's it's about the characters. He's he's gone for the more yeah, there there's ugly in here. Rogers falling apart. Rogers is is the animal, and a, a animal doesn't have to refer to violent nastiness. It can also refer to the instinctive terror of of a rabbit confronted with a with a wolf, or it, it's that the, the animal like reaction as opposed to the reasoned the reasoned uh, intellectual being that humans are supposed to be that's what I'm getting at the 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 beast layer the lizard brain uh in in man uh that that's what I'm getting from these two episodes so far but I guess we'll see do you have anything else i i don't think i do i don't think I have anything else either um like i say they they got through without most of the tropes that I would have expected, like, oh no, they didn't. I was going to say two people having sex get killed by the monster was there. Actually, I'm going to take that one back. That, that's a that's a I standard trope uh, from yeah. Dog gone. well, <clears throat> was that a was that a swipe at that type of film, or was that a, that a thing that hadn't even happened yet? Because that was kind of like 80s teenage slasher film thing that popped up. Oh, that couple went off and had sex? They're the first to die. <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe they got it from here. Wow. This, this could be what it's the holotype for. Anyway, Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. And listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com/fusionpatrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. On the next episode of Fusion Patrol, Kenneth and I will be discussing Star Hunter Redux, the episode Past Lives.